Hello and welcome to This Podcast is written on the back of the Declaration of Independence in which we attempt to fill our childless marriage with stolen babies and escaped prisoners. Uh, hello. Hi, I'm Baron. <laughs> what? She, that was my favourite line from the film. She just, Holly Hunter just rolls off in a car in front of Nick Cage and is like, Hi, I'm Baron and that's the scene. Oh yeah, sorry, right you, the there was a slight element of concern and then I wasn't <laughs> sure if you were some sort of old German duke or something. <laughs> um, yes, so t- today's film is... Raising Arizona. And my name is Callum. And my name ain't Nathan Arizona. Ain't Nathan Arizona. Oh, this is a... straight out the gates. It's a good start. This is a gem. It's a great film. This is a one of those podcasts where we're supposed to kind of find a bad film and rap on it a little bit and have a, have some goofs and poke some holes in a film. This film is is a solid. I mean, this is my fa- my favorite Nicolas Cage film. I think it's good. It's really good. I enjoyed it. It's going to be a hard episode, I think, to to poke goofs in because yeah. the film's goofs itself. Well then, I guess you better prepare yourselves for a very serious episode of film criticism. Discussing the works of Nicolas Cage. Ooh. Um, so, for those who haven't seen it, could you give them a very short recap of the plot of Raising Arizona? No. Would you like <laughs> me to do that? One. You haven't prepared one. Yeah. Would you like me to do that? Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, so, Nicolas Cage plays a guy called Hi who's a repeat offender who consistently robs grocery stores and, like, sort of uh, 7-Eleven-style shops, I'd say. He keeps going in and out of prison. As he goes in and out of prison, he keeps getting his photograph taken by a woman called Ed, played by Holly Hunter, and they slowly, in basically a montage, build a relationship over three relations, uh, over three conversations. Uh, when he finally gets out of jail... He marries her, finds out she's barren, can't have kids, so they decide decide to steal uh, a child from um, Nathan, Arizona, who has five and doesn't need all those kids. And uh, hijinks ensue. Well done. Thank you. That was much more than a sentence, but... Um... No, I can... Yeah. <laughs> that was very much too long. We'll return to normal service next time. I'll actually prepare, prepare something. One. Yeah. But, um, I mean, that's the basics of the film. Those, those are the basics. And I think, I think the term hijinks in shoe is a very good way of describing it. Because at points, this is basically a live-action cartoon, right? <laughs> yeah. The fight scenes in particular. Yeah. And I mean, oh, there's, a, yeah, there's some fantastic fight scenes, some, the, the dream sequences... With, oh yeah, um, with Smalls, the 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 sort of the bounty hunter, well, as I like to say, proto Ghost Rider. Proto Ghost Rider. Having yeah. not seen Ghost Rider, no. <laughs> I know it's a scary dude on a motorbike. That's all I've got. Um, and um, I mean, even down to the fact that both Smalls and High have the same Woody Woodpecker tattoo. Yeah, did I miss something? Was that supposed to be like, were they some sort of gang or? I mean, I don't. I don't think it's explained. They just happen I to have the same tattoo. I think it's kind of meant to be a, like a potential story thread. I wouldn't be surprised if it's maybe something that just got cut. What's up, Joanne? You know, maybe they just both really like, love that noisy woodpecker. Yeah, and Nicolas Cage is basically playing a kind Woody of woodpecker. a Woody Woodpecker <laughs> character. Like his hair 
is consistently oh, yeah. on end. How did... Because it didn't look like it had any kind of product in, and yet it was staying. Yeah. It was too fluffy to be covered in it's hair quite light. Yeah, it's quite light and bouncy. I mean, yeah. I, I, Join us next week for Nicolas Cage's hair conspiracies. Well, while we're talking about like how he looks in this film, is this the most attractive Nicolas Cage has ever been in a film? Having not seen very many... Maybe yes. I also, he's—I don't know—he's a bit soppy. He's I, too soppy for most. I of think it, he's quite—he's he, quite gangly. Yeah. But he's kind There's of nothing got, wrong with being gangly. He's kind of got a cool, kind of like Shoreditch hipster look going on throughout the film. He's got like a little pencil kind of mustachey thing. He's got like Hawaiian shirts with the sleeved rolled up. He looks a bit like a proto hipster, I think. Um, so I want to start with Nicolas Cage, and this is going to sound like I've been paying too much attention to particular parts, but, um, he is the widest man spread in history, and it happens twice in this film, right, once right at the very beginning, yeah. when he's in prison, and they're having a sort of, like, group counselling session, which doesn't yeah. actually seem very positive at all. Yeah, 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 the, yeah, that moment. And the second time, he's tied to a chair, and the camera, like is focused right on the apex of the man spread and I found it very distracting. I mean, I don't have any notes about that in my in my notebook. So this think, is why I put the disclaimer. I think you've got it something on the mind. It wasn't because I want to look at Nicolas Cage's crotch. It's you did just go, so you aggressive. You did go awfully silent when I said, is this the most attractive Nicolas Cage has ever looked? <laughs> and now you break it to me that you've been staring at his crotch. Well, I mean, film. you're just extolling the virtues of his Shoreditch look. I thought you were going to tell me you actually kind of wanted to run off with him just then. Snickers and mash, sir. Bubbles and squeak. Smoke deal pie, sir. As well as stealing the baby, mm-hmm. they steal a book called Dr. Spock's Baby and Child Care. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, you know, child care manual. And I noted that down. And you went, I think that's a real book. Yeah, I think that's a real thing. Is that a real book? Hang on. So the Dr. Spock book is a real book. And it looks like they've renamed it since this film came out. No, I just think he's written a lot of them. Wow. Yeah, look, the first two years, on parenting, rebuilding American family values. Because Dr. Spock is just a dude who is... Unfortunately um, named. Yeah. Because I saw it. And I forgot, because I've seen this one before, but I forgot how much that's kind of brought back as a gag. You know, this passing of the book back and forth kind of thing. And I thought, oh, they've just, um, you know, they've just put a funny little goof on a on a, a book as like a blink and you'll miss it gag. Oh, it's Dr. Spock's childcare book. Like some some designer was tasked, I'll make a kid's book. Oh, what what should be cut? Oh, I don't know. Just make something up, and they came up with that, and then no, so no it's, a, it's a real, real childcare book. Yeah. So on the uh, stealing of a baby situation, this was the weirdest baby heist I've ever seen, mm. because he doesn't just sort of take a baby and go. There's no element of peril for Nicolas Cage until very very late on in the heist. So it becomes like less of a baby heist and more of a Nicolas Cage's daycare because he's just sort of randomly moving babies from the cot to the floor. And I know he's trying to evaluate which one will like him because they're all just sort of crying. I think that's the idea, is that he's kind of picking them up and seeing which one will kind of cry the least. 
but honestly, you're breaking into someone's house. Like, surely there should be a bit more urgency than, I'm going to pick this baby up. Oh, maybe not that one. I'll put him on the floor. I'll try another one. Yeah. And I swear he picks up the same baby like three or four times before deciding that's not the one for him. Because there's five babies in a five-baby car. Quintuplets. Yeah, which I hope that Nathan Arizona got from his own furniture store. Oh, of course he did. But a, a fi- how, if you have a stockpile of five cot, five baby cots, hmm. how often do you think you get to sell one? That's like a, it's like a once in a, a once in a thirty year sell, isn't it? Yeah. Do you reckon they have a bell for when they finally sell one of the five baby cots? We got one. Ding ding ding. <laughs> but yeah, he's. I think he's basically just picking up two babies, and rather than picking up one and then putting it back in the crib. He puts it on the floor. Yeah, what is that? And then you're consistently worried he's going to, like, step on the baby. Like, or... this man should not have a child. Yeah. Especially if he's going to steal it. But he's clearly not ready if he's just putting babies on the floor constantly. Yeah. But, yeah, it's um, it's a very... It's a very calm heist. It's isn't a very it? calm... Not a heist, is it's, it really? No, really it's just a very chilled kind of pick a mix situation of baby, <laughs> like to the point where there's one shot of the mum coming up the stairs, and he is just in time rescuing a baby from the corridor that she's about to walk under, oh, walk through. Yeah, but that's a proper Looney Tunes moment. That is. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about Nicolas Cage. Makes sense. It's a Nicolas Cage podcast. But I want to um, bring praise to the rest of the cast. Yeah, it's a very good cast. It's yeah, and, and particularly I think Holly Hunter, mm-hmm. who has a minimal amount to do, but completely grounds everything that she does do. Mm-hmm. Like any point where the lunacy is getting a little bit too much, and it's becoming too much for cartoon, or you're not sort of you're maybe. It's getting a bit too goofy to be invested. She completely grounds it and completely like makes everything genuine and um heartfelt. And then obviously you've got um you've got John Goodman in it playing yeah. one of two kind of Laurel and Hardy-esque criminals yeah, so that Nick this, Cage is friends with. There's this whole side story, which is like like Stephen King decided the Shawshank Redemption wasn't funny enough. Yeah. So you've got prisoners escaping, then robbing banks, but doing it very badly. Yeah. I mean, I've got written down that like they're doing Laurel and Hardy bits. Yeah. That bit in the in the bank at the end where um, John Goodman and the other criminal are robbing the bank, and they do a kind of a get down on the floor and fr- oh freeze and get down on the floor, and mm-hmm. then this kind of elderly farmer says, "Well, which one is it? Freeze or get down?" <laughs> It's such a funny gag, and they sell it, and they've got that chemistry of like a kind of a, a, a you know a little and large, a kind of a smart one, dumb one thing going on. Yeah, it's where they're the, both dumb, and it's really well played. It's the points where they're both they just solidly scream yeah. for like five minutes at a time. So when John Goodman is climbing out of the mud because he's escaped from prison, yeah, and then he pulls the other guy up. Out of the mud and is literally from just his going, ankle. From his ankle, just going ah the whole time. I mean, we normally discuss what moment we want to be the I'm trapped in a 
a glass, glass Nicholas cage, cage of emotion. emotion. Still can't get the handle of that. But we haven't discussed it. And no. I wanted to discuss a, a possibility that that moment, even though it's not Nicholas Cage, is the I'm trapped in a glass Nicholas Cage of emotion. So I've written several times Cage is the least cagey person in this film. Yeah, I've like, got I've literally got, pretty much everyone else has a cagier moment than Cage has. I've got written down um ninety five percent of the screaming in this film is not from Nick Cage. I know. Which is bonkers. I had a potential suggestion for Nick Cage, but it is not as good. I'm gonna go for a different scream. Yeah. It's when they're driving away from the convenience store slash gas station. Yeah get down the road and realise they've left the baby, which they've consequently stolen from Nicolas Cage. Yeah. They've left him on the road. Yeah. Or, in fact, they left him on the top of the car and, he fell and drove away. <laughs> After robbing the gas station, yeah. And then there's a solid two-minute scene of them driving back, screaming at the top of their voices. It's brilliant. And that might be... The cagiest cage. Yeah. For me. I think I think it's gotta be one of those two. Because the cagiest cage gets is like when he's going, Keep your goddamn hands off my wife. Oh and he, it's really that's actually very understated, it's the reaction to it that's that, over the top. That's the thing as well. The some of the most cagiest moments are not dialogue, but just reaction shots. Yeah. So there's some great ones where he gets slapped and he kind of turns towards the camera kind of real slapstick style and his one eyebrow's cocked and yeah. his mouth's all like screwed up and there's some fantastic and he's still giving a Nicolas Cage performance but it's not a Nicolas Cage performance that we expect because mm-hmm. it's not particularly screamy yeah um and the screaming comes pretty much from John Goodman yeah so I I agree I think we should be uh, nominating John Goodman great cool well we'll put that clip here and uh, I'm going to put them on the socials because I'm not going to put the whole clip here because it would literally be two and a half minutes of screaming, ah! <laughs> screaming at the top of their lungs. Sorry, downstairs neighbours. Where'd we leave him? I realised something. Mm-hmm. Before lockdown, we binge-watched um, a Channel 4 television series, Catastrophe. We did. Now, do you recognise where the theme tune comes from? Oh! I didn't realise until we finished watching it, and I went, oh my gosh. Is it actually? Yeah, so the it? main theme, yeah. the... That thing is from Catastrophe. I was listening to the credits going, I know this song. Yep. Where do I... <gasps> wow. There you go. That's very nice. It's a fun little tidbit for yes. you. Everyone should watch Catastrophe. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, fantastic show. Also, we just finished watching um, Shit's oh, Creek. So, so we're both a bit weepy because that was beautiful. Yeah, we watched Raising Arizona last night. We've finished the last few episodes of Shit's Creek off um, this morning. And now we have nothing left to do with our lives, so... No, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we'll find some new fascination in a few days. I want to binge watch DuckTales, so um, <laughs> so you better really get invested in that. But yeah, Shit's Creek on Netflix, great. Catastrophe, I believe, is on Amazon Prime or 4OD if you want to watch that. Um, or you could just watch another Nicolas Cage film and recommend that to us. Mm-hmm.
So I've come up with a new fashion theory thanks to this film. Yeah. And that is this. Getting run over with tights on your head is the new putting on clean underwear just in case you get hit by a bus. Putting on clean... What? I'm confused. Oh, okay. So when Nicholas... <laughs> Don't put this bit in. This will be boring. I'm just going to explain so you find it funny. Um, when he's trying to rob the store yeah, and yeah. Holly Hunter drives off and mm. he gets hit by a car yeah. with tights on. Holding the huggies, yeah. yeah. We should make everyone walk out with tights on their head now instead of... I, no, it's the other bit. I don't get Have you never been told that? No, what's, what's that mean? Oh, my gosh. So has your... No sort of elderly relative or mum or anything has ever said, oh, make sure you put on clean underwear because you might get hit by a bus? <laughs> no. <laughs> so... It, is the idea so used... that when you get, like, cut up or examined or whatever, yeah. they go... Yeah, so you're oh, wearing we... clean underwear or nice underwear. <laughs> as if you need an excuse to change your underwear. <laughs> no, I've never heard that phrase before. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's bonkers. So we should all we should all wear tights on our head. Yeah. I mean, awesome. I wonder whether they're any good as face masks. Would they count as face masks? Oh, they're a bit thin, aren't they? Tights. They're probably as oppressive. Yeah. But probably not as effective. Yeah. Can you imagine, though, to, thinking about that and this film having a bank robbery at the end? Mm-hmm. Imagine if you're a cowboy-looking guy and you're using a bandana as your face mask and you go into a bank... They must be constantly worried they're going to get robbed. Right? <laughs> like, like at the moment, people going into banks with face masks, it must be thinking, yeah. Yeah, this oh, is the time, this is the one where we're going to get robbed. Finger on the panic button. <laughs> this is it. Um, but I was wondering if I were to put some tights on my head, would I attract a large trail of dogs like Nicolas Cage does? Because honestly, that is my dream. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. Should we try it? We'll maybe. go out into the park. We live very near a park that has... It's very popular with dog walkers. So yeah. we see many dogs on our daily walk. None of them are allowed to say hello at the moment, which is very sad. Very sad, yes. But if I were to put tights on my head and run around, do you think they would start chasing me and i get to say hello to all the dogs? Maybe, maybe. I mean, hopefully it would be as madcap and as fun as that chase is as well. That That chase sequence is... Is, is possibly one of the highlights of the film, I think. Uh, a sequence where he basically uh, decides to rob uh, another gas station for a pack of Huggies. And then it kind of all Not starts Not just the Huggies, go- oh, he Huggies. does ask he them takes to the empty money the well. cash register. Uh, and it all starts to go wrong, and a dog starts chasing after him, and then multiple dogs, and then cops, and then he ends up running through a whole house. Like, he goes in, downstairs, around, back up. Um, and it's bonkers, but it's a great, fun chase. And on that point, there's also another... My other standout moment, I think, has got to be the caravan fight. Oh. With um, Nicolas Cage and John Goodman yeah. having a kind of a brawl in this kind of static home that our characters live in. And there's one shot in particular that made me wince re- like, re- like really much. That's a phrase. Like, really much. Where Nicolas Cage raises both of his hands, kind of like clasped together to kind of like pummel down on John Goodman, but because it's like kind of like stucco plaster ceiling, his hands, his knuckles scrape against mm-hmm. it, and it's just a really quick shot, and then it cuts to Nicolas Cage like letting out probably one of his only yells in the whole film. 
and it's genuinely painful. Like, it's a really horrible idea. It made my skin tingle. Like, <laughs> Wait, have you got ASMR for screams? That's terrifying. No, no, tingle in a bad way. Not tingle in a fun way. Not like sexy ASMR tingles. I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! We normally keep a few of our points behind. The ones that we can't discuss in full. They're just little kind of thoughts, tidbits, oddities. I'm going to just spitfire some of them back and forth. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Okay, what is this trend of singing country songs about murder to babies? Country songs about murder to babies? As soon as they get this baby, Holly Hunter singing him a country song about murder. Oh, yeah. And, like, that's a big trend is country songs about murders. <laughs> but why are they appropriate for babies? Like, I'll listen to Dolly singing about someone dying all the time, but... Don't what? sing it to your baby. Yeah. Yeah, but then yeah, we do that, doesn't it's not the ring a ring a ring a ring of roses about what the uh, plague, isn't it? Supposedly, I yeah. think that might be fake news of some kind. <laughs> okay, fake news handed down the ages. Um, yeah. Um, this is a Disney film now. <gasps> yes, it's a twentieth century Fox film, so I cannot wait to see Raising Arizona, like baby baby kidnap the ride or whatever at Disney World. <laughs> Uh, I've just written down the words lock jaw night vision. <laughs> Is that Frances McDormand? Yeah. She's saying bad things that babies can get and you like, need to be insured against. You need to get the baby jabs against. in case it gets locked jaw <laughs> night vision. <laughs> locked jaw night vision. I mean, I can't believe we failed to mention that Frances McDormand's in this. She's incredible. She's I great. love her so much. She brings like a really goofy big performance and she's fantastic. No wonder the Coens worked with her all the time after this. Um... Nicholas Cage punches that Glenn guy after he suggests um, that, you know, they, they wife swap, basically. Mm-hmm. And he punches him. It's a normal looking punch and then it cuts. And then that Glenn guy is like 15 feet away. Like <laughs> Superman punch. It, like Nicholas Cage has got a Superman punch, but we don't see it on screen. Uh, at one point, Nathan Arizona says, and if a frog had wings, it wouldn't hit its butt a bump in. And that just made me think of that uh, that ten year old clip of this morning that we watched quite recently. It's hit his ten year anniversary, where um, <laughs> Gino DeCampo is cooking a pasta dish yeah. of some kind. Oh yeah, I, I know the one. And Holly, Holly, Holly says, Willoughby "Oh, if it had ham in it, it would be closer to a British carbonara. carbonara." And he's so offended because, for those of you who don't know, Gino is an Italian man, so knows carbonara much better than any of us ever will, and knows how to make it properly. And he. <laughs> Is very offended. It takes a good minute for him to recover and said, yes, but if my grandmother had wheels, she would be a bicycle. <laughs> it's a classic. It's my favourite thing it's that's ever happened It's a classic TV. Talking about the Glenn guy again, mm-hmm. he was social distancing before it was cool. <laughs> when he comes back to confront Nicolas Cage again <laughs> after being punched in the face, Nicolas Cage walks towards him. He goes, stay back, stay back. <laughs> I'm just going to keep my distance. Keep three fridges away from me. <laughs> Um, that's a reference that will be surely not not known in like two weeks' time. Uh, Lenny, the block-nosed bounty hunter, yeah, he catches a fly on his fingers. I've just got this one. I was going to say this as well. And it's almost as good as the Obama. I'll try that again because I didn't say Obama right. Obama. <laughs> Obama. And it's almost as good as the Obama karate chop. 
What's the Obama karate chop? Oh my god! I may have seen this. So Obama's doing an interview, and he's just chatting to this interviewer, and he's just sort of watching this fly, and then he just like karate chops his hand out, and he he got it. He hit the fly, and it lands on the floor. Oh, that's impressive! It's incredible. Uh, my note was was how did they achieve that? Like, there's a guy who must. You know, like those people who own animals for films, they mm-hmm. must also have a cage. Fly rearers. They must. There must be some sort of fly guy or an oh. insect dude who has flies in a big glass jar or whatever, and then they come in and they, what, with a pair of tweezers, like put one in the guy's because he's holding on to the leg of a fly, one leg of a fly, mm-hmm. and it's in an extreme close up. It's a brilliant shot. Um, how the hell do they do that? How do they do that? Uh, so there's an ending scene where you just see the back of Nicolas Cage and Holly Hunter. It's his dream. He's dreaming of them being old with lots of children and grandchildren. Yes, yes. And those wigs are almost as bad as uh, the epilogue scene from Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's very it's, goofy. Uh, oh. I mean, to the point where I wouldn't be surprised if they, if it was just like flour and hair gel. <laughs> Like, it doesn't look like they're wearing wigs. It looks like they've just put Holly Hunter and, like, dumped talcum powder on her head. But I wanted to I wanted to grasp your opinion on this. Mm-hmm. Is the ending. I like the ending. Mm-hmm. It's unabashedly, like, sweet and sentimental. Yeah, it's very charming. hopeful. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Because I know I've, I've watched that film with some people. Because the rest of the film isn't necessarily that saccharine. No. It's hopeful and funny and cheery, yeah. but it's not that funny. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, well, not that kind of so cheery. And um, he was like, "Oh, I think he kind of expected more sort of black humour because mm-hmm. it is a Coen Brothers film, obviously." I think, I think it's fine, especially it's very sweet, yeah, and it's almost too much. But coming straight after someone. Dying being blown up by a grenade, I think is fine. <laughs> yes, a big I guy. think it evens it out. Yeah, wearing animal skins being blown up. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you're gonna go for it, just go for it, you know. Yeah, because this was the second um, Coen Brothers film, and I think it's the first one. I think mm, I'm gonna put uh, Blood Simple. I, I may well be wrong, and that's a very depressing film. I think they basically just went, "Oh, we want to make something fun," and they did. And um, yeah, I love it. I love this film. I'm like a prickly pear. Now we're going to go for some Amazon reviews. Yes. And because we actually really like this film, I'm going to go for some one stars. Idiots. Yeah, just to see what 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 idiots say. Yeah. Second thoughts on Amazon says could win a prize for stupidity, but no for entertainment. They've inserted an R into the word but. This is one that the Cohen brothers might want to forget. I've collected most of their titles, and this one comes a distant last for storyline, acting, and entertainment. Oh, gosh. They've I think obviously I not... may have turned it off before the end. They've obviously not seen Intolerable Cruelty. They've obviously not seen Intolerable Cruelty. Wow, he wanted to interrupt me for that. Yeah. And he couldn't even get the name couldn't out. Couldn't even get it out. Awful. Oof. Awful. Lard Zeppo. <laughs> right, it's a very long review. Um, but towards the end, he says, Probably a reason the Coens never used Nicolas Cage again. Again, same as Miller's crossing as the almost unintelligible Gabriel Byrne never returns to a Cohen film. It is more of a bad cartoon. 
I think like it the, is right. Most That's of the, the point. most of the points these people are raising, I agree with in a weird way. Yes, it could win an award for stupidity. Well, there are some glowing five stars. Yeah. Best film ever made. <laughs> Thanks. Is that the review? Thanks. That's the whole review. Mark says five stars. Thanks. Thanks, Amazon. DVD came on time. Great. Very funny film. Great. DVD. This is the kind of content we need to be covering here. Here we go. One of uh, Max Wren says, Wacky Whacked Caper for the Reagan era. One of my favourite Coen Brothers films. Almost a live action cartoon in some stretches. Nicholas of Cage, which is what I shall now be calling him. Yes. yes. Nicholas of Cage. Sir Nicholas of Cage is superb as the dumbass high trying to keep his family together. There are some superb lines and exemplary screaming from all involved. Not for fans of the brothers' more serious work, as I think we figured out. Yeah, I think that's they a, really hate it. I think apparently. that's a spot on review myself. I think they've they've nailed that. We'll leave it at that because all the rest is very much just saying it's a great film. Yeah, and it is. I, I, I can fully recommend this. If you haven't seen it already, it's on like Now TV and Sky in the UK. And, um, you know, just Google it. I'm sure you can find it somewhere for mm-hmm. cheap. It's a relatively old film. I'm sure you can pick up a DVD for a few quid. It's a great watch. Yeah. So thank you again to friend of the podcast, Richard, for suggesting Raising Arizona, because we both really enjoyed it. It's probably made for not a very funny episode yeah. of this podcast, because we both enjoyed it. There's not yeah. a lot to take the mick out of. Yeah. But on that point, we haven't actually discussed yet, or at least we haven't decided yet what our next film's going to be. I've decided what our next film's going to be. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, are we going with that one then? Yeah. Okay, what are we going to do next then? We're going to watch Moonstruck next because I really want some share in my life right now. So yeah, we're going to watch Moonstruck as our next film. Um, I don't think it's particularly available anywhere to stream, but again, you can probably find a DVD for a few quid. Um, Yeah. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast as written on the back of the Declaration of Independence. Or my name ain't Nathan, Arizona. You have been listening to This Podcast is written on the back of the Declaration of Independence. If you've enjoyed the show, then maybe you could give us a subscription or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you download your podcasts from. You can also find us on all the usual social media channels as Nick Cage Pod. That's N-I-C-C-A-G-E-P-O-D. If you've really enjoyed it and would like to give us the equivalent of a cup of coffee over the internet, um, you can donate a small amount to our coffee page at ko-fi.com forward slash Nick Cage Pod. Again, slash N-I-C-C-A-G-E-P-O-D. Thank you very much for listening. 